All right, as we continue this morning, we're going to continue on in our study of First Peter. Good old Peter, and as I mentioned last week, Peter's one of my favorites um, for many reasons. I know pastors aren't supposed to have favorites, but he's one of mine. Um, first off, he's a fisherman, and I can certainly identify with that, and being a, a fisherman and enjoying the water, and uh, he made a career out of it for a long time until he got his calling by Jesus. In fact, he was the first one to notice it called. Um, Jesus picked him first, and he, um, through the years, we noticed that Peter became a leader even among the disciples and obviously among the churches and those that he was around. Peter also had that other thing that I can identify with. He quite often spoke before he thought, and I do that on a regular basis, and uh, I jump into things, and then I'm like, oh, no, shoot, did I really say that, or did I say that out loud moments? And so Peter is one of those that I can empathize with and understand. Um, Peter also made mistakes, and he needed correction. Uh, from time to time. Not only did Jesus correct him, uh, but often the church corrected him. And, and Paul even called him out on one occasion in Acts chapter 15 and, and spoke to him and says, hey, you're doing something wrong. Your words and your actions are not lining up. If you don't know what that is, I encourage you to go back and take a look at Acts chapter 15. There's some bonus reading for you that um, want to uh, deepen your study. But Peter, when he writes First Peter... Um, is older in life. He's gotten a little more mature. He's winding down. He's seen a lot more. He's been through all the tough stuff, and he's coming to that point where, you know what? I'm winding down. I need to pass on or continue to pass on to the next generation, and Peter does a good job with that, and he writes this letter to people that he knew. Again, these letters were meant to be circulated among the churches. He's sending that out to other church, not just a church, but multiple churches, and we have it preserved here. And so Peter is encouraging them. It's a very encouraging book, but it's encouraging people in a tough time. Persecution against the Christians at this point is almost at the highest level. Nero in Rome has now turned his eye on the Christians, and they are being martyred at this point. And Peter is writing this to encourage a church that's living under fear in many situations. And so he's saying, hey, don't give up, right? Keep that focus. If you were with us last week, we talked a little bit about that, right? Peter talks about that living hope, that hope of eternity. And we've had quite a bit about not being stuck in our circumstances here and now, but looking forward to what lies ahead. And that's an encouragement to us. But with that, Peter says, don't waste the time. I'm paraphrasing. This is a Charlie version. Don't waste the time. There's work to be done. And so that's what we're going to look at today a little bit. We're going to back into chapter 1 just a little bit, because I remember I started off last week, or ended last week with be holy, right? And we talked about setting the bar. But verse 13 is also a transition verse, right? It it's, takes on what's been said before, and now it brings it to what's being said this morning, in this morning's message. So we're going to backtrack a little bit, but you'll see, so we get that running start. So if you missed last week... No worries, you're up to date, right? We're, we're all together in this this morning. So verse 13 says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully somber, sober, not somber, sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy... So be holy in all you do. 
For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Right? And we talked about a little bit about last week. We just touched on it, but that's a high calling. It's a high calling to be holy. And I don't know about you, but I always want to try to bring that bar down. Right? I want to try to soften that a little bit. Or holy, I, I think of, you know, God's holy, and, and certainly he is, and, and Jesus and the bar is way up here. And somehow I don't know that I, I know I don't measure up to that. So if I can't measure up to it, then maybe I could bring the bar down. And we see that in our world today. We see that in a lot of circles, right? We want to lower the bar. But that's not what God's word says. It says to be holy. Jesus' word, to be holy. Again, the example is Jesus. And that really is the purpose and the goal of our Christian life is to be like Christ. And so that goal is to be holy. Now, if we just left it like that, we would be in trouble because we, would, we probably would soon give up and say, you know what, there's no way I can be that way. And so, you know, or how do I do that? How do I be holy? That, that's not even in my thinking. Well, Peter gives us instructions, and he's going to go on not only today, but in the next couple of chapters of how to work that out, how to, to be holy or to achieve or to work towards being more and more like Christ. Also, Harry started off this in verse 13, right, with set your mind on it, right? You've got you to be purposeful. You've got to think about it, right? Fully sober, right? With clear-mindedness is really another translation of that. And I would like to say, you know, purposeful, right? You've you got to say, all right, today I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on being holy, be mindful. It just doesn't happen naturally. In fact, if we could be honest, naturally things happen the other way right? We, we tend not to be holy uh, in our daily actions. All right, on to verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. See what I mean? He's saying, hey, don't just waste the time. You, he knows that they're in fear. He knows that their lives are in danger. He's saying, don't just stay there. Don't just just hunker down, but there's a way to live it out. And he says, God is the one who judges, right? God judges a person's intent. He knows our hearts. He knows our motivation. He knows the why behind the what. And I always like to say that. That's, that's a difficult thing. I can't see people's hearts. People say, well, you know, you can judge people by their actions. And to some degree, you can, but you really can't see their heart. That's where we get into trouble is we try to judge people's heart motivations. Right? I, I've watched people through the years do things, and I say, oh, they must be a believer. The way they're going at it, they're, they're working hard for the Lord. But yet, you find out later on that their motivations were not pure. They were not right. Only God sees that. You know, and we judge by the outward appearance, we come up short. And so God is the true judge of our work. He's the one that knows if we're doing it for the right reasons. It's not just enough to do it, but to do it with the right motivation. Peter goes on with this in the same thought. He says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. Yeah, man, as I mentioned, Peter is a, 
a Jew, and so he, again, he has that Old Testament mind, which is not wrong, it's, it's good, and, and he's speaking primarily to a lot of Jews, and so he hearkens back quite often to that, that purification process, the sacrifice of the lamb. Again, it's a reminder to them that they, they don't have to do that anymore because Jesus is that final sacrifice. And again, in order to do a sacrifice, it had to be without blemish, without defect, they had to be presented pure. Jews would have known this. They grew up, so they knew that. Grew up with the, the lamb being presented at the minimum once a year. So they knew that. They knew what that meant. And so Jesus is that example. He is that sacrifice for us. And so he's hearkening back to that, reminding them of that. Verse 20, he says, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Right? That, that faith and hope in God is a key phrase there, and it helps us understand so many things, right? Because if we put our faith and hope in anything else, A, we're going to be disappointed, and B, it's not going to be true. Right? It's going to disappoint us every time, but not in God. God's been faithful continues to be faithful. He will be faithful in the future. I also love the reference here where he hearkens back to the resurrection and the importance of that. You can always tell in Peter's writing that it impacted him greatly. And again, it's of, of great importance because it's the key element to the gospel. And again, if you put it into context, right, when these people are, are facing death literally day in and day out, that hope of the resurrection, that hope of the future would greatly encourage them. Again, they're watching people they know, people they love, being tortured, being killed because of their faith. Yet Peter says, hey, it's not enough to, to stand on that, but hey, there's something more that needs to be done while you're waiting. And so verse 22, he says, now that you've been purified, that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Kind of when I got to that verse this week when I was studying, I said, ooh, ouch. Another one of those moments. You ever have got that one? Reading God's word? You get that point and go, oh, all right. That one's for me. I got that one, right? And we've talked about love. We did a whole message on love not too long ago, just during Advent, right? We talked about love being an action right? It's not a one and done. You, know, you that are married, I said that, right? You, you can't, tell, I can't tell PJ, oh, I love you, and then I'm done. I'm all set and go about my day. It doesn't mean much. It doesn't communicate love, really. And we've also talked about how much that love encompasses, right? Being patient, being kind. First Corinthians chapter 13, if you need a refresher course, it's only three or four verses, but there's a lot there. But you also see where Peter talks about the motivation, right? right? I can't just say I love you and I can't just show it, but it has to be with a sincere heart. Right? We, we don't want people to be fake with us, right? We want them to mean it genuinely from the heart when they say, hey, I love you. It has to have meaning. It has to have depth to it. And I've said this before, it's not easy to love people that way. We need help. 
We need God's help. Peter knows that, and certainly he's harking that here through this passage. So he says, but you've been born again, right? You've been born again. You, again, you're a believer in Christ. That's not going to be taken away from you. Interestingly here in verse 24, he hearkens back to the Old Testament. I take it as a, a moment of perspective. And again, these are the scriptures that Peter was using because that's what they had. That's all they had at that point. Verse 24 comes from Isaiah. It says, all the people are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The beginning of that could be depressing in many ways. If you think about it, our, our lives are, compared to God are, are only temporal, they're only for a season, they're short. And relatively, compared to God, they are. Right? They're, they're only for a small season, a short time. And so comparison, and, and that is, is, a, is a good comparison. Right? And we do wither, we, we do bend, we do fall. I mean, again, we, we get frailer as we get older. That's just part of the normal progression of life. But don't miss verse 25. But yet, the word of the Lord endures forever. All right? Amen. There we go. Someone, someone's got it. I haven't heard that in a while. Thank you, Roy. I appreciate that. But it's so true, right? God's word has endured the test of time. It's been there from the beginning, and it just continues to be true. You know, in a world that's looking for that something that's stable, something that's constant, God's word is one of those things. You can hold on to it. You, it's still truth. It still applies today. It doesn't change depending on my feeling. I know I'm getting dangerous here. I'm walking up to a line, but I'm not going to go too far away. But it does give us a, a godly perspective if we read God's Word. It's that foundation that we need for living our lives. It helps us grow. It helps us sustain. It gives us perspective, helps us in relationships. It really does guide us for our lives. It's probably one of the things that we underuse today is God's word. All right, I'll get off of that a little bit, but it is important. And then here as he's wrapping up the end of this chapter, and you notice we're going to go into chapter two because Pastor Charlie doesn't really like the chapter breaks in this, this section, so he, uh, he goes on to chapter two a little bit. But Peter says, and this is the word that was preached to you. So again, he's talking to these churches. He's already said this. He, they should know this already. And so he's just reminding them, hey, this is all the foundational stuff that I've given you when I was there. You know, most likely, Peter has been to many of these churches in that northern Turkey area today. So now here comes the how to do it. Here comes when the rubber meets the road. Chapter 2 here, at least the beginning of it. It says, therefore... Again, therefore, because of all these things, it's another transition, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Like I said, I, I take this part as, a, all right, now... 
here's what's next. Right? Very similar to Paul's writing, right? Where he says to take off things and put on. It's a similar passage. They use a similar type language. Right? So first off, we need to rid ourselves of things like malice. Right? Intending evil. Planning it out. Deceit. Right? Being deceitful. Hypocrisy. You know, that, that's uh, the one, that, especially during the day, was, was big. And guess what? It's still today, right? We, we hate hypocrisy, they say. You know, we, we, we long to see that people do what they say. And they live it out. Right? Not do what I say, but yeah. To be that example. Envy, slander of every kind. It's kind of a negative list, right? It's not a, not a pretty list, but those are all things that we look through. We're all, if we haven't done them, we're more than capable of doing them. I always like to hearken and remind you, too, that this is talking to believers. It's not talking about the world. The world is, is full of those and, and that we don't have to go very far. I mean, our media, our news love to point out these things on a regular basis. But this is talking to believers. This is talking to us as individuals in the church. Yes, these things happen even in the church. Then he gives us another illustration, another visual, if you want to call it. Like newborn babies, right? It's been a while since I've seen a newborn baby. I mean, the grandkids are, are back east. And, but newborn babies, they, they need milk. And baby Christians need spiritual milk as well, right? And we get saved, and then it's like, well, what's next? What's now? That's a great question. You know, quite often they'll come to me and say, hey, Pastor Chelly, I've just got back my faith, and I just got saved, and what do I do now? What do I, what do I read? That's usually the, one of the questions. What do I read? And then it usually gets even narrower from there. It's like, well, what do I read? I know the Bible's got 66 books of the Bible. What do I read first? And again, there's different ones you could point them to to get them started. But they're just starting out, and so they need a, a little bit at a time. Right? You know, God doesn't expect the whole thing for us to get it all right at the very beginning of our spiritual walk. But neither does he expect us to stay there. That's what I love about this passage. It's not a, hey, all right, a newborn, I'm saved, I'm all set, nothing has to happen from here on out. I think Peter's very clear, the other apostles are very clear as well. There needs to be some next steps. And so it's saying that, so you grow up. There's things you need to do so you can grow up. You need to mature. You can't stay at that spot. Things you need to do. I love how the, the phrase here is, grow up in your salvation, right? We can hearken back to that day when we got saved. We didn't have all the answers, right? We, we probably even had a hard time explaining it. Right? If someone asks you, well, what happened? And what, you know, what took place? The words that come out are, are you know, excitement, but it, it's not always clear. Usually if someone's telling you, you have to ask a few more questions. Well, what does that mean? Or how, you know, and, and the words may not even be joined together correctly. But if you spend some time, you know there's a change. But you can't stay in that state. Peter is saying you need to continue to grow. Again, what's the purpose of growing? 
back at the beginning. What's the purpose of growing in Christ? To be holy. There we go. I thought I was going to get hung out to dry there for a minute. It's one of those moments like, uh uh-oh, holy. No, right? To be holy. That's what this whole section's been about, right? To be holy as I am holy. To be more and more like Christ. The only way I'm going to do that is to, to grow. To grow in my faith. To grow in my walk. Thank you guys for bailing me out. I was just getting to that point there. I was, thought I was alone for a moment. No. And he says, the, not only the reason that we do that to be holy, but it's because you've tasted that the Lord is good, right? Again, he's using the, the food analogy here in the milk, and right? And again, a little bit is good, and then it, it just continues, should become sweeter and sweeter and better. And make Rachel curl her eyes more better. So she... Correct me on that one. But no, God is good. And as our relationship grows, it should become sweeter, and we should continue to be growing in Christ. I know for a pastor and part of the Alliance, um, they know pastors really well, and so they actually make us, and again, that's the only way we probably would do it, but they make us continuing ed. We have to continually go and, and continue to study um, you know, whether it's through ordination process, but even once you get there, then you have to continue on with book readings and studies and um, someone checks up on you to make sure those things are continuing because they want to encourage us to grow, to grow in our faith, to grow in our shepherding and being a pastor. And so that would be my hope and my prayer for you as well is that you grow in your faith. And as we've talked about this morning, one of the main ways of doing that is being obedient to Christ. And we talked about the Holy Spirit early on in this chapter, but also reading God's Word. If that's our source of truth, then we need to read it. Now, I don't know how many have made that New Year's resolution to read through the Bible. That's a great tool. That's a great way to do that. But also, if you've done that, it's not a one and done needs to be a continual reading, continuing going in that area, searching the scriptures, seeing what God speaks to us each and every day. PJ and our missions committee have started the 40 days of prayer. Again, it's another good reminder, another good tool to help us in that, to be praying as a group, as a collective body about certain things each day. And there's scripture that goes along with that. We were joking because somehow we got two different days, and I was talking about grace and mercy this morning, and PJ was talking about something else, but that's just a communication thing. But both were important, both were helpful. So my question for you this morning is, are you growing? Are you growing? And if you are growing, what are you doing to help you grow? What are you doing to help you grow? Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, as we quite often do, we get asked those tough questions. And Lord, we just ask that you would convict us, that you would stir our hearts, that you would speak to each and every one of us, Lord, for you know us. You know us better than we know ourselves. Lord, help us to, to grow in our walk with you. Help us to grow in not only our walk, Lord, but in how we 
treat one another. Lord, help us to love even deeper. Well, I pray that in this new year that we would just continue the growth steps that we've already taken, Lord, and that we would strive to be holy as you've called us to be. Lord, help us, for we are in need. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.